In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. So today would usually be a gospel about the end of the world, um, but we have the exception today because it's the fifth week of the Coptic month. So on the fifth week, we actually celebrate the Annunciation. Um, in recent times, they added the resurrection and, uh, um, and birth to the feast, but the original feast is for the Annunciation. And the reason why is because where the actual Feast of the Annunciation comes on the calendar, um, because of other feasts in that time, it's very frequent that we don't celebrate it. So the Church wanted to make sure that the Feast of the Annunciation was still given its due, that it was honored, um, and so that's why it was put as the Fifth Sunday. So whenever there's a Fifth Sunday, it gets said to make sure that at least once a year um, we end up doing the readings. Um, but we'll talk more about the end of the world in the next couple of weeks, because the whole last month um, ends up being... Um, about that before we get into um, the new year uh, in September. So today when we're discussing the Annunciation, this one has particular relevance to me um, because it was, it was part of my own calling. Um, but I want us to focus on knowing the will of God because many of us have the question of how do I know what is the will of God and how can I discern if this is the voice of God um, and we do it in, in many things and because we want to be more comfortable to know that something was as how God wanted it so that we can have peace towards it and a lot of us have a, a bit of a, a skewed picture of, of what it means to know God's will because sometimes we want to say that it was God's will that I did everything I did when it wasn't necessarily. And if it goes badly, then I'll say, oh, you know, God did this because of such and such. When sometimes something was really my own will, <laughs> dressed up as, as God, um, and, and really wasn't Him. So we need to understand this because we need to make decisions on the daily life that, that um, have this as the core of it. So when we look at God's will, the big picture of God's will is, is salvation. Right? God, God's greatest will for us is to be with Him, to be united with Him, not just in heaven, but here. Right? This is what God wants. It is my good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He said it very expressly. I have known you before you were even in the womb. His will was for our existence and to be in communion with Him. And that's why it's important for us to realize that God created the world for man, not man for the world. So when we're looking for God's will and saying, oh, God wanted me to be a physician or muhandis or whatever it is that I think that God is calling me to do, did God create me to be one of those things? No, He didn't. Right? That would mean that His primary focus is the earth, not the person. The primary focus is man, not the earth. And so anything that He assigns man is for man and not for the earth. So does God need physicians and engineers and, and what have you? Yes, He does. Right? But did he make people for that express purpose? That is not his goal. His goal is our salvation and our unity with him and to be with him. And so anything that we have as a task has to be in line with that overall um, goal. So make sure that your goal in trying to determine if something is God's will isn't a secular one or an earthly one. Because God does not have secular goals. So God didn't design you, as we said, to be one of those things. He wanted you to be his child. Right? He wanted you to be his kid. And then he might have made you one of those things. So don't get those things backwards. And so what this means is that every calling that we have needs to be in the context of salvation. 
outside of the context of salvation, everything is meaningless. Okay, it becomes completely arbitrary. So, he may want some of us to have a particular task, but overall, God actually leaves us to our own free will. Right, and we'll talk about how do I use my free will. But generally speaking, things are our own decisions. What is the exception that most of us want to make the rule? Is the special calling. Right, is that sometimes God has a specific task for us. We want everything to be that specific task. And there is actually some truth to that. I'm not saying that's completely wrong, but I think how we apply it is often wrong. Because we want to claim that every small act that we did was by divine calling when it was not necessarily so. The truth is that there are special callings. There are some tasks that God wants us specifically to do. So, if He does this, He wants it for the salvation of either that person or the people around Him or, or both. He's never going to do something that's against the salvation um, of people. And so, we know these in the big things, priesthood, monasticism, um, becoming a nun, um, but it also can be with other things. Sometimes God does want us to marry a particular person. Sometimes God does particularly want somebody to go to a certain location. Sometimes God does have a very particular task. This is not all the time. So it doesn't mean that for every single person that there's only one spouse. It doesn't mean that for every single person that there's only one possible job. It just means that there are people for whom he has. And if you want to use a terrible analogy, because I, I don't like it, but it'll work. If you think of an organization, right? The organization has a mission. It has a, fo a, a function. It wants to do something, right? Not everybody's going to be the CEO. Or not everybody is going to be the CEO. Or not everyone's going to be a secretary. But we need a secretary, and we need a CEO, and we need a janitor, and we need people who are just staff. But everybody is not just anything. Everybody is working towards the full function of the whole thing towards that goal. This is the church. right? All of humanity has a role in one another's lives. All of us are seeking and working towards the same thing, but we may be delegated different tasks. So there might be somebody who has a particular gift, and that gift is their calling. It might be somebody is a particularly cheerful person, and that person's cheerfulness, wherever he or she goes, is something that helps everybody. It may be somebody who has the gift and the ability to empathize and to listen and to hear. And wherever they go, they're going to use that gift. But it might be somebody who's a particularly good person that God wants to be a priest, who he wants to go to a specific location. It might be somebody who God wants as a particular thing, where he's going to be or she's going to be a servant, but in a particular parish. It might be someone who's going to be a physician that said, no, I don't want you in California, I want you to go to Arkansas or some random other place. Um, because of who that person is going to affect where they go, and how that person may also be affected by the people with whom that he lives. It's a two-way thing. Salvation is meant for the whole. And so we need to realize that because sometimes we get very agitated and very uptight and very anxious when we're not getting signs that something is God's will, when really what God is looking for is salvation. But if he has a special calling... Um, we'll get to how to discern that, about how to, to know that. So how do you go about finding out this will? What are the characteristics? There are way too many for one sermon, or we'll have a four-hour sermon on just that alone. We're going to give just a few points, not even all of them briefly, and maybe on, on, uh, in the meetings or on Sunday if we resurrect uh, Sunday School for Adults, we can, we can go into these other things further. But the first and most obvious way 
is to live the gospel. And I mean that in a factual, even mechanical way to start with. So, this means keep the commandments, even if it's mechanical. If I hold a mop upside down to clean, it's not going to work. Okay, I might get some water on the floor and I clean a three centimeter radius. I don't know what that is in inches. Okay, but that's not cleaning, right? That was an accident, right? So if by some luck I managed to do something by holding the, the, the mop upside down, it wasn't because I did it right. It was, by, it was by fluke or because God miraculously intervened, but not because I did it right. If I don't live according to the commandments, there's no way I'm going to know the will of God ever. Because I have nothing to do with the system, I have nothing to do with using it properly. So how will I claim to know um, what God's will is? So we can start off by doing it mechanically, but then you need to learn how to keep the gospel in a spiritual way, to learn to understand the spirit of it. Because what this does is help me know God as to who He is. God said this clearly to us when He said, My sheep know my voice. Right? He's talking, but only his sheep will hear his voice. Why? They're in tune to him. If they're actually living in the way that he designed us to be living in, if we actually live in a, a spirit of unity with God, if I actually pray, as opposed to telling everyone else to do it, right? But if I actually dialogue with God, and if I'm actually reading the Bible and listening, and as I read the Bible, saying, what is he saying, right? What does this mean about him? What does this tell me about my God and my Creator? What does this tell me about myself? When I do these things, I start to get a sense of who He is. And when I have a sense of who He is, I will start to recognize His voice. I will start to recognize whether something is in the spirit of the gospel or not. Right? Like, I live with Amba Krolos and Amba Abraham and Abuna Mark and Abuna Arsani. If somebody were to come up to me and tell me that Amba Krolos went and cussed somebody out in the middle of a talk, there's no way I'm going to believe that. Because I know who He is. I'm like, no, 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 this is somebody who does not get angry. And if he gets angry, what he does is do X, Y, and Z. It's not that. And he'll withdraw himself. I know him well, right? I know how he reacts to things. I know what is going to be this person's actual response to the thing. If I have no idea about God, then how do I think I could possibly discern what is the will of God magically when I get religious for 24 hours because I want something? Right? If I don't actually live a real spiritual life, I will not actually know who he is or what he's saying, and I will not know whether something that he's saying is his voice or not, because I have never listened to it in my life. We need to acquire the spirit of the Gospels to do it. Look at how the Pharisees um, last night in the Asheia Gospel, the Vespers Gospel, right? how the Pharisee approached God. He thought he was being religious, right? and he was actually sitting there judging the lady. And he thought that this woman who comes in as a sinner and pouring um, tears over the feet of our Lord in ointment, and he was judging her. But in his view, because he didn't have the spirit of things, he was actually a very religious man because he did the works of the law, right? He did step one, but he didn't do step two. He didn't acquire the spirit of the law to understand that God is actually looking for everyone's salvation. He is not having as an objective condemnation um, of people. Clearly, St. Mary, as we read in the Gospel, is somebody who was um, in line with this. She was living the right way in the spirit of it. St. Mary lived in the temple her whole life. She did the, the mechanical functions of the law, but her living and being immersed in it also helped her to know what is God's 
will in her life. Would God call me to do something that takes me far away from Him? Would He call me and ask me to do something that would cause me to cheat or to lie? Some of you will scoff and say, obviously not. But the thing is that most of our decisions often involve something wrong in it and we justify it and say somehow that, no, 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 it was God's will, but I'm actually doing something wrong. God's will will not be for you to take a job in which you don't go to liturgy anymore. It won't be, right? So, like, no matter how you dress it up, it's not going to be His will. He's not going to say, I've decided that in your case, you don't need me and you don't need the community and you don't need Eucharist and you don't need the grace of community. He's not ever going to will that. So we might think about it in the obvious things, but we might not think about it in the smaller things because often we are biased by what we want and we want, again, to mask it as, as God. The third thing is that we need to become the handmaid of the Lord. Right? Look at St. Mary's response to the angel. Right? Her response to God by the angel. As she just says to him, Okay, um, I am just a maidservant. Right? Whatever it is that he wants to do, okay. Do we act as maidservants or, or men servants, or do we act as the mouthpiece of God? Most of us are usually the mouthpiece of God. We're good at proclaiming and broadcasting the will of God to everybody as to what he must or mustn't want, as opposed to having this attitude of, I don't know anything, okay? Whatever it is you want me to do, I'm good to go and I'll do it. And this is, as the fathers, the desert fathers talk about, whether your glass is full or empty, Okay, an empty glass God can fill. A full glass God cannot fill. If you see yourself as full, you won't ever know the will of God because you're full of yourself, really is what it is. And there's a famous saying in the Desert Fathers in the section on discipleship where it says, if you see a novice climbing up to heaven, grab him by the ankle and drag him down, right? Because that person is heading for danger, not really for heaven. God always worked through the humble. Right? It was the disciples that he called. It was the nobodies. Um, Saul, King Saul, the first king of Israel, he was a nobody. King David was a nobody. God kept on looking for the people who didn't see themselves as big shots so that he could make them big shots. Okay? Because these were the people who weren't going to view themselves as something um, particularly special. People who, aren't, people who are nobodies aren't pretending to be somebody that they are not. So if you want to be, to know the will of God, become a nobody, right? Don't be wise in your own conceit, as Christ said. And what does humility mean? It means knowing yourself, so that you can ignore yourself, okay? And what I mean by ignore yourself is that your voice is really relevant, right? There's, there's, there's the thoughts of man, of which God says God knows the thoughts of man, that they are vain. And there's thoughts from the devil, which we also don't want. Either case, not very useful. Right? What we want to know is what does God think about something, not what I think, and not what does the devil think. Both of those latter two are, are monumentally useless at best, and at worst extremely dangerous. So, if I'm able to recognize who I am, and my flaws, and my biases, and just be comfortable in my own skin, and realize that I'm a flawed individual, I'm not going to have strong inclinations anymore, because I'll know that I'm not wise. Right? Think of your own kids. You make decisions for them all the time. Why? Because they don't know. Now remember that you are a kid in the sight of God and that you don't know anything. 
right? From your limited experiences, you might have acquired some things to be able to make wiser decisions on the small levels, but in terms of the grand scheme of God's will, no, you, you really, we don't know much. I know somebody who wanted monasticism so badly that when he started finally getting signs, he was ignoring signs of priesthood that came with it. Why? Because he didn't want to be a priest. He wanted to be a monk. And so then when God wanted him to be a priest, he was angry. <laughs> He's like, no, that's not the thing that I want. I want that thing. Right? Because his, his voice was what he saw. He was only able to hear himself. Whereas God actually did want him to do something for him. It just wasn't in the way that the person thought. We need to be able to, to recognize that. God's will should always bring peace. God's will should not bring unrest. It shouldn't bring contention. It shouldn't bring arguments. It shouldn't bring anger. It shouldn't bring out the vices. Right? This is not how God functions. In this gospel that we read in the Annunciation, St. Mary was asked to do something crazy. Right? Like what she was being asked to do made no sense and it had never happened before or after in the history of humanity. Where it's like, yep, you're not going to have sexual relationships and you're going to get pregnant. That's what we want from you. Right? All St. Mary does is say, I just want to make it really clear that I haven't done anything that could get me pregnant. If that makes sense to you, no problem. Right? That's all she could say. It made no, it was, it's completely illogical. Right? But she just said, okay, no problem. And she didn't argue, she didn't fight, she didn't have a heart attack, she didn't have a panic attack, she didn't have an, an anxious bout of anything. She just said, behold the handmaid of the Lord. What do I have to do now? I'll go help my cousin. <laughs> right? That was her immediate response. Who was worked up about it? St. Joseph. Right? And rightfully so. But when something comes from God, he gives peace to all parties. So the Lord visited Joseph and said, Joseph, I know this looks bad. Right? But, yes, it's me. Don't worry. Everything's going to be okay. Right? God doesn't leave people hanging on the outside. If there's something that He has designed, if there's something that He specifically wants, He is going to intervene and He's going to grant peace to all um, who are involved. I remember distinctly that I was dying for a job um, once and I was adamant that it was um, God's will and I wouldn't shut up about it. Um, because I was so angry that my parents didn't like it and that they were angry about it. And my priest didn't like it. Um, in fact, my, my priest's word to me at one point when I kept on arguing with him that clearly this is God's will was, you know what? He was like, this isn't God's will. And it's never going to be God's will for you to move. And I, I couldn't have been more furious. And I had a very good relationship with my spiritual father. Um, actually, one of the people who I vented to is, is visiting from Canada today, so he'll remember it distinctly. And I wouldn't be quiet about it. And I was angry, and I tried to justify it and to prove how wrong they were. And sure, they did make mistakes in the, in the process too. But when God wanted me to do that, a year and a half later, everyone was at peace my parents, my priest, my community. And what I didn't know is God was using it as a first step towards something else, right? I was being obstinate, but he wanted something else, and it was a step towards something else, right? But in my limited scope, and my limited vision, all I could think of was, I want this, I didn't get it. It was a good thing that I wanted. It was good religiously, it was good on every level that I was assessing, but it wasn't God's will, and I was trying to call it that. When God works... He does speak peaceably towards everybody. I know another person who wanted to be 
a monk, but his parents and everybody had been refusing for a long time. When it was finally actually the calling, God spoke again to everybody involved, to his parents, to his family, to his priest, so that every obstacle that he had before going was dissolved. Right? This is when God specifically wants something, he is not going to give a spirit of discord because that is against his person. Right? God is as a God of peace, not a God of, of turbulence. Anything that brings strife and unrest and warfare is not from the spirit of peace or the king of peace or the paracletes or the prince of peace or any of the titles of God, any person of the Holy Trinity. God's will is not something that brings um, strife. So in the absence of clarity, where there isn't peace about something, then you ought not to proceed. I won't say it's not the will of God, but I might say it would not be the right time. And we ought to wait when we're in the absence of clarity. Of course, more than anything requires two things. Prayer, true prayer, of actually asking God, what are you saying? And time. Because time reveals our fickleness. Time reveals whether something was just a mood swing that we were having because we liked something, which is normal and which is, is human. And of course, a spiritual guide. There's a, a reading in the, in the Acts of the Apostles that always gets me at how ridiculous we are when it comes to signs, which is why you, you need a spiritual father um, more than you need signs. St. Paul, when he was on a, he had a shipwreck when he was being taken as a prisoner to Rome. They all got thrown off the ship, and there's this big rescue mission, and they rescue all the prisoners. And they're on an island, and the, the locals bring him, um, bring all of them food to eat. And they're sitting around the fire, and as they're sitting around the fire, a viper comes out of the fire and, and latches onto St. Paul's hand. And the locals immediately say, Oh, look, look how like bad this guy must have been, because... He escaped a shipwreck, and now he's going to die from a viper. Clearly he did something wrong, and God is trying to say, you messed up, you're not escaping, you're going to die. But then St. Paul very casually just goes like that, and the viper falls off and he keeps eating. And those same people who said, look at this criminal, said, look, it's a God. Within five minutes, he went from criminal to being proclaimed as God. And both were wrong. Okay, he was neither God, nor was he a criminal. But if we're going to interpret these signs, we're going to make mistakes. So you need a good spiritual guide to walk you through the process that can have a good spirit, somebody who actually has gone through all of these things we've talked about, who's good at discerning. What I would also say, so it's not all doom and gloom, is if you made a mistake, don't worry. Okay, it's not the end of the world. Right? It was God's will that Jacob be blessed. It was his will, he said it. Jacob went about getting God's will in the wrong way, okay? He lied to his dad. He deceived his dad. He put hair on his body and he, he dressed himself up. He lied, okay? Does God ever will lying? No, absolutely not. He does not. What Jacob did and what his mother did was wrong. What was the result? Yes, there was strife, okay? There was a family feud, right? Jacob had to flee, right? He wasn't able to stay home. So when we do our own will, our own way, there is suffering. However, did God not still bless Jacob? Right? Did God not still give him an inheritance? Did God still not lead him by the hand? Was he not with him in his afflictions? He was. Okay? And he blessed him in his exile, and he blessed him out of his exile, because God loves us in spite of our mistakes. So even if we have made a mistake, that's okay. But look at how to do the will of God within 
where you are, even if there's something that you're there. Don't think, oh no, my life is gone, my salvation is gone, and all is lost. No, it is not. Okay, so long as you are living, there is hope, and so long as you're with the Lord, we will have some semblance of peace in spite of our mistakes and joy. Live the gospel, and make sure your small acts are in the line with the will of God. Am I living the gospel? If I am faithful with little, then as Christ promised, then He will make us faithful. He will make us ruler over much because we've been faithful with much. And let us say with the Virgin Mary, be it done unto me according to your will. And glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.